is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne. Matt, we're starting off a brand new year, 2021, with Thrive Perspectives, episode 24. We are, and the birds are in fine form uh, today. (laughs) I heard them chirping just as we opened up. They are excited for a brand new year. Now, this is a a really special episode of Thrive Perspectives, and I'm sure Mm. we're going to get a lot of new listeners, Mm. people who are downloading uh, the episode, the podcast for the first time. Um, and uh, you've got, you know, and good news, if you this is a first-time listener, you've got a uh, absolute plethora of, uh, you know, mm. podcasts to go back and listen to both on this podcast, Thrive Perspectives, and our sister podcast, mm. Thrive Deeper. But, Matt, this is only the second time it's happened in our history of yeah. podcasting. We've got a special guest yes. for this episode. Yes, Mr. Keir Scott. Thanks for joining us, Keir. No problems. Uh, I, Keir uh, and I uh, have some great robust discussions uh, around all sorts of things, including politics. And, and uh, Keir's also someone that I uh, go to and say, what do you think about this? And, and uh, he does a bit of research. And, and so uh, on the topic that we're talking about today... Uh, I felt a bit out of my depth, and so <laughs> this is a good opportunity to say, "Gear, help!" That's, that's <laughs> Come awesome. on in and give us a hand. And, and welcome, Gear, for you know being able to jump in here in the last minute as we as we do this one. Now, uh, before we 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 tell everybody, and I know everyone's seen the title, they know what we're going to be talking about on this episode. I'd love you to sort of introduce yourself a little bit so people know hey, who's this guy, what's this guy about. Give us a little bit of your background and what your interests lie and stuff like that. Sure thing. So uh, I studied law at university. I'm not a lawyer. I should say that. You can't ask me for <laughs> actual legal advice. Uh, but it's, it's been an interest of mine. Um, I've been uh, a Christian pretty much my whole life. I've been involved in um, youth and young adult ministry. Hmm. And uh, these kind of things, uh, I, I take a great interest in them because I find that how we live out our faith and um, how we interact with the world it's probably the biggest challenge in my own life and, and wrestling with that. And so topics like this makes me, um, yeah, I like to do a bit of a deep dive yes. and, and have a look at it. Yeah. The, the other thing I want to state right at the beginning and, and the other thing set up that we've done here today is I want to be really transparent with this and we I don't want to play up into it mm-hmm. and I don't want people feel like they want to take sides or anything like this. But and, and push back if you feel uncomfortable here, Kia, at all. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know where you're yeah, going with this. <laughs> I, I, what about if I'm feeling uncomfortable? I don't care about that. The the uh, I, I want you to feel uncomfortable. Uh, now, when it comes to, like, political or worldview, when it comes to <clears throat> governmental ideas and, and sort of positions like that, I would say, and if people have been listening for a long time, uh, people would know that I sort of lean right. That's how I would describe my position. Mm. Matt is the classic centrist right down the middle on all things type of thing. Is it fair to say that you typically would lean as what a lot of people would think lean left? 100%. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would describe myself as that. And the reason why I bring that up, and again, I don't want to play into it. It's not like anybody versus anybody like this. The point of saying that is, you know, We've brought you on. The other reason why we've brought you on is to sort of get a, a, a voice that we don't usually get on the podcast. It's easy to have someone who's leans right here and me and Mr. Centre over here. It's great to have someone to push back a little bit from an, another view. So that's that's what I'm throwing out there. And, and if I can if I can qualify uh, the centrist thing, but my probably my um, my greatest 
passion or contention is uh, how relatively important politics even is uh, because uh, and particularly from a pastoral point of view um, I think it's really important that the church uh, doesn't uh, it remains bipartisan like well not not even bipartisan but transcends yes uh, politics that uh, we you know, I mean our faith should inform our politics yeah. um, but we're we're operating at a level that is very much uh, above uh, politics and or, or ideally we should be. that recognise the politics really is a band aid for a much deeper problem, <laughs> and uh, and we want to get about dealing with that that deeper problem, and and also we don't want to alienate people we're trying to reach. So if a mm. church you know takes a, a strong left position, you alienate people on the right, or if a church takes a strong right position, we alienate people on the left, mm. and we just don't want to do that, mm. and, and you don't need to do that. And yes. so I think more than anything, I I represent that, but I do. Um, because um, I'm, you know, I've I've looked at, at, at some political philosophy and and like I recognise also the complexity of mm. politics. So I, I actually find it very I find it immensely difficult. It's easy if you just if you it's it's if you're always looking at one side, it's easy. I feel like it's easier to think yes, that's the answer. Yeah. Um, and um, but I I find. Uh, I find myself swinging because of the complexities involved uh, in, in politics, and I think, and I think, in my conversation with both you guys, that that perspective of the relative importance of. Uh, politics. I think we share that oh. uh, very mm. much. That perspective, and I know we're going to get into that as that. Okay, so let's. That's enough of the introduction. There we yeah, go. Yeah. We've, we've laid the groundwork here. Now, what we're talking about, of course, is happening right now in Victoria and Australia, the state that we 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 all live in and reside and we go to church in. In front of uh, in front of the government is what is called the Change or Suppression Conversion Practices Prohibition Bill. 2020, a real mouthful there. Well done. Uh, thank you very much. Now, uh, I've I've done a lot of scanning. I've got to be confession. I've done a lot of reading, mm. done a lot of scanning, done a lot of listening and watching about all this bill. But you know, the other thing here, you've you've really done a deep dive into this, and this is wonderful to have your research head into this. Give us, give everybody, because I know we've got a lot of listeners around the world, and they're going to be going, "Wait, well, I haven't heard anything about this. What what's going on?" Give us a little bit of an introduction of what this bill's supposed to do, where it is, and, and what's your take on it from the beginning. Sure thing. So, uh, as you said, the, the name's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and what it's getting at is uh, practices that are done from a religious uh, standpoint to change or suppress someone's sexual identity or gender identity. Just from a religious perspective? Pers- you know, standpoint? Uh, this one specifically. So these kind of practices from a medical or psychiatry or therapy standpoint have actually been illegal in Victoria for about 30 years. Wow. Uh, so as a, like a recognised medical practice or psychiatry practice, it's been illegal to have those kind of practices in Victoria for that long. Mm-hmm. Can, uh, can I just uh, um, butt in there? Um, you, you said sexual identity. It, isn't the change or suppression, just to be precise... Isn't it dealing with uh, sexual orientation? Yes. So identity and orientation are... Is, that's probably another question yeah. around the connection between those uh, those sort of things. Mm. Um, but it's certainly, it's certainly dealing with um, practices designed to uh, change sexual orientation. That, that's right. Yeah. So uh, orientation <clears throat> um, and gender identity. So with this one, it is 
mainly focused on religious practices yeah. uh, because when the first bill went through around changing it from a medical standpoint, they didn't make any reference to uh, anything coming from a religious standpoint. Okay. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, work in there around wording in the clauses around what kind of things constitute a practice, mm-hmm. um, what's banned, how it's banned, what the uh Consequences would be, especially from a criminal standpoint, it also allows for some uh, civil remedies as well. Mm -hmm. And it goes from both personal liability and corporate liability. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I think uh, churches in Victoria in particular have taken a lot of interest in it because there is, I guess, broader reaching consequences if uh, there was a breach of the bill. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's uh, interesting too is that there's clauses in there around... uh, parents uh, putting their children into a change conversion or suppression practice, Mm -hmm. as well as the uh, consent of the person. So someone can be, um, it can be consensual or non-consensual to be part of the practice and the practice itself is still illegal. Okay. So, so let's just press pause for a second. We don't want to get, um, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, What is this bill attempting to remedy? You know, ideally, in a, in a government, the, you know, things are brought forward to make society better. Mm. So obviously someone or some group believes that some harm is being done to a portion of the population. What does this bill, you know, a- attempt to fix? Sure thing. So these kind of practices, especially when they were uh, formal programs and that kind of thing, uh, in the past have been shown to actually cause quite a lot of harm to people who have gone through them. So we're talking about the classic, again, straight in our minds from from media and television, we think of gay conversion therapy. That yeah. would be something that, you know, 60 Minutes have done stories on or things like that, where a pair, like, and the, and the stereotypical thing, and, by, and I, by saying stereotypical, I don't want to downplay anybody's experience here because I, we all, I mean, at least I do, and I know, Matt, you do, we've known people who've actually gone through this and it has been harmful mm. for them. Um you know, uh, a parent has a child that is exhibiting a particular type of behaviour, you know, whether that's uh, same-sex attractedness or anything, and they are sent off to, you know, typically in the stereotype here, a camp or a conversion therapy where they are, you know, made to be converted out of their gay gayness into being straight or whatever mm-hmm. like that. Is this what the bill... You know, in a real stereotypical way, this is what they're trying to Yeah, solve. so that, that's what, that's what uh, is probably the easiest way to describe it, the, <clears throat> the kind of pray the gay away yes. idea. So uh, I guess I was being a bit vague because the, the bill itself is kind of vague. <laughs> so it uses words like conversion and suppression because yes. it's trying to cast the biggest, broadest net to prevent these kind of practices because yes. study after study um, has shown that these programs, and I should say that, uh, I guess some of these programs were set up with uh, a real genuine belief that they were trying to help people and, and bring them closer to God and that mm. kind of thing, but the practices themselves actually resulted in, in real harm, um, emotional, physical, mental trauma, spiritual trauma yeah. in, a, in a lot of senses too, and unfortunately right through to, to self-harm and, mm. and people taking their own lives, which mm. is really tragic. So what the government's trying to do here is prevent anyone starting a program like this or continuing a program like this uh, that could cause harm in this way. Okay. Okay, uh, Matt, so, so the, the, the organisations, <clears throat> it's interesting, I just did a little bit of reading about some of the organisations that um, that 
practice this. And um, one of the biggest ones is Exodus or was Exodus International. They closed their doors in 2012. Uh, and, and so th- this, um, the, the major organizations and connect, correct me if I'm uh, wrong here, Akia, but I don't think on a broad scale, this, th- these kinds of organizations, they haven't been operating in Australia in the last, uh, probably seven or eight years, have they? That would be about right. So Exodus International was one of the biggest ones and I think another one was called um, Out of Egypt yep. and, and they've, it's been roughly seven, eight, nine years where they've um, ceased operation in Australia. And one, and one of the, the reasons for Exodus International, uh, I think they just acknowledged that, I mean, there's no, there's no program or, or set process that you can go through. Everyone's experience that is like yeah. a silver bullet, you yes. know, um, uh, which is actually, it's kind of, with all of the things that we deal with, yeah. uh, and, and remember, th- this this is one of the things, um, uh, I guess, one of the areas of life that uh, that I guess as Christians we struggle through. There, there actually are no silver bullets for anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, but uh, they certainly recognise that that this was uh, probably causing more harm than. Uh, than good. They, they, there was there was some, and I think statistics looked like about sort of thirty percent yes. uh, of people, twenty nine, thirty percent people, I think from memory, uh, uh, had a change, experienced a change of sexual uh, orientation, um, uh, but there was a lot of accompanying problems as well yes. and harm, and that's what the bill is is designed. Yeah, to. and and classically, the the rough thing would be people experiencing some sort of conversion through those therapies, yeah. the numbers were very high. By 30%, you're saying long-lasting or life-changing, you yeah, know, actual yeah. things. <clears throat> yeah. It's down to – you're getting down to about 20 to 30% of people yeah, actually yeah. having long-lasting yeah, yeah, change right. from yeah. these conversion but therapies. The, yeah, and, and yet the concern here is that there was an, an, <clears throat> another big proportion of people who – for whom – It was uh, harmful. It, it, it was harmful that it that, uh, caused – uh, a lot of ongoing sort of guilt and shame and mm. depression and uh, self-harming and suicide. Uh, so um, that's kind of what this is uh, aimed at. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right, now the, this is the other reason why I want I want to, um, you know, sort of, sort of zoom out a little bit and talk about why we're talking about it here. Is because this has become uh, in the in the last uh, I will say two months, but especially over the last month, yeah. um, over this December, you know, Christmas season here, it seems to be seems to me, and I'd love to know your experience as well. I am getting forwarded, you know, yeah. articles, yeah, videos, <clears throat> memes, you know, you name it about this topic around mm. Victoria. Yeah, a lot of well-meaning people on all sides of the you know argument are. Uh, Really alarmed at this on all you know in in many ways. I haven't had, I haven't been forwarded anybody looking at this and going, "This is great." <laughs> no matter where they what what, yeah. what what they believe in. So this is the reason why we're we're responding to this you know on, on this on the first of Jan here, starting off this mm. new year with this with this thing um, you know this topic because a lot of people in Victoria and around Australia and now it's beginning to move outside of Australia and people are looking in and seeing what we're doing here in Victoria yeah. and saying look this is a big issue this yeah. is this is something we need to be talking yeah. about and i think i mean this is a this i think is a really good um, example or, or or moment uh, when we as christians can look at how we respond to things like this yeah. 
and what because what can happen is that we just respond without thinking about the right way to respond and the the implications of yeah. our of our response. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, we need to remember we are on mission as a church to uh, reach people with the message of the gospel that that God is calling all people to Himself, drawing people to Himself, people from all different walks of life, and um, and we need to be mindful that as a people on that mission that we're not putting obstacles or misunderstandings or um, that we're not putting we're not making people into um, into enemies that we're not being um, uh, you know we're not putting up walls because remember we're reaching out to people who don't share our worldview yeah. um, in the hope that they will have a transforming experience of God and the love of God that will transform their worldview. You know, I mean, it says, you know, Paul says in Romans, it is uh, God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, I guess we need to have a large element of that kindness of God in the way that we deal with this and sensitivity. Uh, we need to be careful about how we communicate what we do online because we, we, we don't want to make enemies. We don't want anyone to have or get the message that we as the Christian church are their enemy. Yep. Um, so, so I think, I mean, that's, that's the first thing. One of the things that has, has worried me um, in looking at the various responses to this issue is that, um, you know, some Christians immediately jump to the, this, this combative uh, stance. Oh, we need to oppose this. When actually on the face of it, the bill is designed to prevent harm. Okay, now we, we can have a debate about that, but like you see how it looks when yes. we jump into the fray and we say we need to oppose this when the very people that we're trying to actually reach are saying, but hang on, this is designed to prevent harm. So what do you think it's, we should, you know, harm should be, pre- I mean, mm-hmm. so it, it, we've just got to be really careful and sensitive uh, um, about how we talk about this issue. We need to uh, listen and this, this is this is just classic relational skills, yes, you know. Yes. And, and, and this is about being sensitive. And when you're sensitive, what you do is that you you know you listen, you you validate elements of uh, where there has been pain and you know caused, and maybe, uh, well, not maybe, but certainly an, an element of taking responsibility as Christians. I think it's very important that we show a lifestyle in which. If any harm has been done by any Christians, there's an element of, you know what, we're going to take responsibility and, and be take an apologetic stance. Yeah. Even if we ourselves haven't done it, you know, it's yes. the Ezra principle. Ezra, you know, repents personally for the sins of his people, even though he wasn't, you mm-hmm. know, particularly, um, uh, you know, um, personally sort of responsible, but he takes responsibility. So, so I, think, I think it's that kind of... Um, disposition, I think, is really important as we move into this. And unfortunately, as I said, some of them uh, look and and look. This is probably an area where I think what one of the most vocal uh, organisations around this bill has been Australian Christian Lobby. And and I have been quite disappointed by the very combative approach that they've taken uh, to this. Um, uh, Australian Christian Lobby, for those uh, that don't know are uh, a, a Christian political organization they 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 are quite they're, they're a right wing organization they they weren't initially they oh. were they were meant to be they, they were meant to be bipartisan but they've very much drifted into being a, a right wing uh, lobby group even 
uh, even right-wing media describe them that way. So, yeah. um, so um, uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons why uh, I, I think they've, um, I guess, using their material becomes problematic for, for churches because when you're trying to, you know, be uh, bipartisan, it's it's like, oh, man, this, is, uh, this material is coming so strongly from this direction. But the main problem uh, is this combative kind of approach just has not um, modelled the kind of approach that I really think we should be taking as Christians. So I, I think that's just a – that's probably an initial thing is to say to people just let's be – and we'll talk about more about this as we uh, – you mm. know, towards the end. But, you know – we need to remember we're on mission. Let's not be combative. Uh, let's try to understand the issue. And that's what really this is uh, about, as well as recognising the problems yeah. with this, mm. uh, because there are some problems with this uh, and, uh, you know, around the vagueness and so forth and also what we can do about this. All right. Well, I want to I want to I want to spend some time talking about that vagueness. And you, you mentioned before. Uh, and you, you know, you also had a back and forth about you know gender identity, gender expression, sexual. You know, these these sort of sort sort of things have been very muddy in in the bill, and and a lot of people, both on the left and the right, um, you know, classically, uh, I think Melbourne lawyer is a Melbourne lawyer, Nina. Um, Oh, what's her name? I've got it here. Nina uh, uh, Valens, I think it is, who's a uh, radical feminist, you know, woman's uh, activist, you know, type of thing. She's come out and said, this bill is really bad. Like, it's badly written. It's got a lot of issues. It's really vague. We don't know exactly what this means. What's been your – as someone who's, who's studied law and, and, you know, got that as a passion, what's your what's your take on it? Yeah, that was one of the things uh, I went – when on my first reading was actually seeing that kind of vagueness. And as I said before, I think some of that is there to cast the biggest possible net mm-hmm. to try and prevent harm. But uh, one thing you learn when you study law and you read a lot of bills and, and um, acts and that kind of thing is that vagueness is sometimes used as a tool, but more often than not you end up creating a stumbling block for yourself because specificness in the law is really good because you know exactly how it can be applied. Mm. And the interesting thing with this bill is that the vagueness in some of this probably actually um, goes against even being able to use a bill for its own purpose. Wow. In that, it's so broad that um, it could actually end up, I guess, creating a false positive, if if you will. Yes. Um, in that it, it makes it hard to figure out what exactly is and isn't a practice because they don't define it. Mm. So when it comes, there's, I guess... The biggest issues I saw with it is, um, I guess, the what it's trying and aiming to prevent is relatively well defined. And as much as change suppression conversion practice seems broad and vague, it, it does kind of catch all what they're trying to prevent. But uh, what constitutes a practice, especially in, I think it's Section 5 of the bill, um, it has a sort of list of things that could count as a practice, but it basically says it could be prayer, it could be, um, you know, teaching or a program, but it's not contained to that. So it doesn't actually say, you know, what could or couldn't be. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons that uh, especially church groups and pastors um, and church bodies are quite concerned because the vagueness there means then people are wondering, 
well, we've never had a formal program, a camp. We don't believe in, you know, conversion practices. But if someone privately comes and asks and says, I'm, have the, you know, I'm struggling with my sexuality, can you pray with me? Have I committed a crime? Yeah. And, and, and which does happen. Yeah, that, that, I'm sure it does. That, yeah. As, as you're happen. speaking yeah, as a working right. yeah. master, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and I think that's the thing is that the, the vagueness here means that uh, people are concerned. And there's sort of two concerns there. You've got sort of one group of, of pastors saying like, um, I would never pray to change someone's sexuality, but I don't want to commit a crime. Mm. And then there's, um, I guess, more of a um, religious freedom view of the government can't tell me how to pray. Mm. Um, And I think in my reading, and as you're saying, my more, my, um, left-leaning idea here is probably more that, that first group of saying, like, we want clarity to make sure that people f- can feel confident in their role as pastors mm. and being able to pray with people, especially people who come and ask for prayer, because that's the interesting thing about the bill is that even a consenting person in the practice, it can be a crime to... Afterwards. Uh, yeah, yeah, have a practice. <laughs> um, the, the first group is, is the... Sorry, the second group around religious freedom is, is interesting because... Um, I know for the church we all attend, and as Matt was saying, a lot of these organisations have shut down almost a decade ago. Um, and also there was a, um, a, a commission recently about religious freedom in Australia. And of all the submissions from all the different church groups and all the rest, there was only one group that had um, an issue with conversion therapy, and that was actually LGBTQI groups who were saying, please make this illegal. And all of the church groups never brought it up. And they... they by and large, the the biggest, broadest view of church groups in Australia and Christianity in Australia is that it's not a practice that they actually support yeah. or put in place. Mm. Um, so that's interesting about the religious freedom thing is that it's if you're not doing like these practices already, then it's not actually a restriction on you. Yes, yes, in, in that I sense. hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but the um, there's that part there, and then there's also another part that I've seen a lot of, of talk around where parents can actually also commit a crime yep. by um, putting their children into a conversion practice mm. or even their own practices with their own children. Mm. And um, a lot of the discussion around there is about the rights of parents. Now, I think on the, the rights of parents, um, we actually restrict the rights of parents in many different ways. And as Matt was saying, the the purported purpose of this bill is to prevent harm. So from the parliament's uh, perspective, they're seeing this practice as harmful, abusive. And so in the same way there's laws against, you know, hitting children, abusing them, that kind of thing, they're putting this in that same same category. So I think that um, I fully understand, and not being a parent myself, I guess I can't speak from that same experience, but I, I understand that people want to um, feel like this is, I guess, stepping on their toes when it comes to how they bring up their children, what sort of values they embed, um, the faith they want to pass down to them. Mm-hmm. But it's important to understand that, as Matt was saying about this preventing harm, that if we're coming at it from a combative spot of I want to be able to do whatever I want with my kids, that sounds like I want to put my kids into an abusive practice yes. in the framework of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that that discussion probably needs to... I understand why parents would be concerned about that, but it probably needs to have that nuance of the the purpose of the bill. That's good. One of the things that um, with the bill too, though, is that um, 
these practices uh, done by church groups, pastors, that kind of thing, there has to be injury caused and injury proved. Mm. So if a pastor prays with someone because they're struggling with sexuality and that person actually feels, you know, encouraged, um, supported, loved, their worth and value and their position as a child of God is affirmed, then they're not like there, there isn't really that injury there. Mm. And so this the the injury part is you know trying to prevent these practices that came across as you know causing mental, physical, emotional, spiritual trauma. And, and let me just put a little asterisk here for some of some of our listeners. Uh, one of the things that I've seen thrown around uh, by again religious people and non-religious people, people in the government, is specifically practices around um, when it comes to this, like even a lot of them aren't even talking about gay conversion therapy as we would typically think of it as a stereotype in our heads. A lot of them are talking about practices, especially done by, uh, you know, some Pentecostal groups of casting out a particular demon Mm. or some sort of demonic, you know, interaction or making a person believe that this, you know, same-sex attractiveness has a demonic source Mm. and prolonged prayer and ritual done around that. That's been a couple of times that's actually been brought up. So when, so I'm just, I mean, doing a little asterisk here because some people might be listening going, how would there be harm in the prayer we're not just talking about sitting down and, you know, some people pray. It's really a big statement mm. because some people that prayer might be really like, right, we're going to cast a demon out of you. And, and, yeah, that, you know. and those kind of practices are, can be harmful in any respect, yeah. dealing with anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, So, you know, it's important to, to recognise that. But that you're, you're right, um, mm. you know, whether it's, you know, speaking about it like a spirit of homosexuality yes. or uh, that that is quite common. And and the problem with, with these sort of deliverance practices is that they're they are they're really broad brushstroke they're quite um crude in some ways and and mm. and 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 you know often make things worse rather than better when they're uh, they're not uh, done sensitively but that's you're right that's yeah. that's sorry to interrupt you. I, just, I, I just wanted to put a little asterisk yeah. here because i know that a song, depending on your tradition you might not be thinking about how that that how a prayer could can affect someone but that's specifically uh, you know, a practice that, you know, some of these people are, are pointing to saying, look, that can be really harmful for somebody. Yeah, and, and exorcism is actually specifically called out in, yeah. in the bill as mm. well because I guess the bill and the parliament are coming from the perspective and this is actually mentioned in both the um, the purpose of the bill and the explanatory memorandum that comes with every piece of legislation is that the, the parliament is taking the position or if this passes both houses, we'll be taking the position that someone's uh, gender identity and sexual orientation is um, not something external to them. So the idea of it being a spirit or a demon or Mm. a possession or something like that or something that can be changed, and that's actually an interesting part is in the bill, is that they're on one hand saying that you um, can't do practices to change someone's sexual orientation or gender identity, but then they also do protect uh, when people are going through, uh, say, the transition process um, if they were transgender. In that, of course, if someone was um, assigned male and was transitioning to become female, then in that process medical professionals and people around them will actually... Be protected. Yeah, changing yeah. <laughs> changing their, their identity. So... Mm. So it's very, are you saying that? Are you saying it again? I don't want to put words in your mouth. And, and uh, um, 
some people have said this is very one-sided, as in, as in, it's not saying because the same argument could could be that someone could come to a health professional, a psychologist, or even a pastor or a priest, whatever, and say, "I have transitioned years ago. It was a mistake. I want to go back." To, you know, or whatever, or they want to change their orientation, sexuality, or anything like that. Is is that protected, you know, in the thing, or is it this is now where we're getting into vague land? Definitely into vague land. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, it's definitely more supporting, I guess, the transition um, or the um, expression of uh, sexual orientation or a gender identity that is perhaps. Um, I'm trying to find the right words here because I think the way the bill puts it is is um, putting it in a way where someone's um, sexual orientation is inherent to them but also understanding that within our society for people who are um, LGBTQI, that process of actually um, coming out and, and talking about their orientation and identity um that's still something that happens in that it's not this um, standardised idea that, you know, in the same way most people don't come out as straight, mm. um, there's that idea that um, heterosexuality is the baseline. So they're, I guess they're protecting the um, idea of people having those um, processes of, 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 you know, stating what their sexual orientation or their, their gender identity is. But um, it doesn't, I guess, set the direction yes. in that, you know, if you have transitioned and then choose to transition back, the protection, there isn't like a specific, you know, clause for that or saying yeah. which, how that, you know, from what's the societal expectation, yes, which direction, I guess, if you want to use that language. And I, and I guess the language, you've already pointed out that a lot of this is based on the phrase and the very loose phrase of, you know, is it proven to cause harm, mm. you know, type of thing. So it's not like a magic wand where, you know, every circumstance the government is going to be an all-seeing eye into everybody's minds or conversations. Someone at some point has to come out and say, this has been harmful to me, whether yep. mentally, physically or whatever. So that's where it gets a little bit, you know, because, again, even that, we say, well, that's a good thing. We don't want to cause anybody harm. But retroactively, someone could turn around and say, well, actually, you know, Mum and Dad, you know, five years ago when you said you'd rather me be like this, that's caused a, you know, mental scar on me and, you know, all that type of stuff. So this, this, is, this is where I think... <clears throat> part of the vagueness of this and I think I think we're saying that really the problematic element of this is some of the vagueness uh, around this but um, you know the harm is one of those elements uh, of vagueness and and I'll tell you why I think that concerns me a little bit uh, or or more than a little bit um, is because when uh, when you pray for any issue um, this or whatever issue, someone comes for prayer. Often, what happens is that it stirs up that issue. You know what I mean? It actually stir, and sometimes actually things get worse before they get better. You know, when you when you bring an issue to the surface uh, that has perhaps been repressed, or it actually brings the struggle to the surface. Uh, and I mean, a struggle is a struggle, and and depending on how you. Um, 
depending on how you engage in that, it can be a very negative experience. Yeah. So, for example, uh, you could bring an issue to the surface. And I've had this uh, in my own life where, um, you know, I've been praying about a certain issue and by praying about it, it's come, brought something to the surface. Yes. And it's actually made it more manifest. And 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 actually, as a result, I can go through uh, a lot of guilt and, and, and shame. Like, I mean, that could be my... But I have to check myself and say, now, hang on a minute. Uh, you know, God doesn't, God is not in this to shame me or, or cause me to wallow in guilt. And, yeah. but that's, I have to actually, uh, respond in a functional way to prevent that from happening. You know what I mean? So, um, but there's always the danger when the issue gets stirred up, uh, the, you know, it also, um, increases the odds of me responding to that in a way that isn't the way that God wants me to respond. Mm-hmm. So for example, uh, to descend into a, into a sort of shame pit of shame, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think, um, I think this is the, um, this is one of the, the issues here is that when we pray for something, it can bring that issue to the surface. Uh, and this is where, I think um, where harm could be perceived mm. because, oh, you just, it just made the issue worse. Well, sometimes that's, things have to get worse to get better. But this is also where I think a lot of pastoral wisdom uh, needs to be brought to bear because we need to disciple people through issues in ways that doesn't cause them to be wearing uh, guilt and shame. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I'm putting that, purposefully because um, there are things that in my life that are brought to the surface I think are not right and that I, I, I feel like uh, and you know recognizing that is is can be a healthy thing yeah um, uh, but it's another thing to actually wallow in guilt and shame and 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 to be you know carrying that in a sort of permanent sense and that I think can be uh, harmful, uh, you know, psychologically harmful, um, because God calls us to move forwards, you know, and and He calls us into a place uh, of of freedom from guilt and shame. Mm. Um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge some of the complexities there it's, it's uh, as, as well. It's huge. All right, let's take a, let's take a quick break. Uh, I, I think we're you know really getting to it. And Matt, you've opened up. Uh, I, I think. Um, you know, something that I think we need to really explore about, yeah. you know, when it comes to what we want to do on this podcast is our world, worldview and perspectives. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment here on Thrive Perspectives. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? We did it. We got through another year. It's your old pal DJ here. I hate to interrupt this episode of Thrive Perspectives, but if you're listening to this the day it comes out, and I know there is a lot of you that do that, January the 1st, 2021, you are a very special, keen supporter to what we do here at Thrive. I just want to say a massive thank you 
for standing with us. ThriveToday.tv is our home online, and that's where you'll find everything Thrive Perspectives, the podcast you're listening to right now, where Matt and I want to share with you a Christian worldview, a Christian perspective on topics and things that are helping and shaping your life. Now, the other podcast we do, the sister podcast we do, is Thrive Deeper, and that's all based around the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. You can find out all about that at thrivetoday.tv. Now, if you're listening to this on the 1st of January, when it comes out, you are an absolute legend. And even if you're coming to this later, thank you so much for taking the time to have a listen. I want to be really transparent. As we kick off 2021, we need your help. We've got some great plans for this year, some really exciting stuff that is going on right now. And we need your support. We need your prayers. We need your listing support. And more than ever before, we need your financial support. I know I hate asking you for money. Some we, we Australians, we don't like asking for money. We get a bit embarrassed about it. But let me tell you, if you head over to thrivetoday.tv and you look right at the top of the website, you'll see donate. You'll see a donate button. You'll find links on thrivetoday.tv to support our ministry, to support what we believe God has called us to do. Not only through the Thrive Daily Reading Guide, also through the podcast and some of the other projects we've got in the works at the moment. We need you to help us financially. There are so many costs associated behind the scenes of doing what we do. And with your support, you're able to sign up and become a monthly partner, a quarterly partner, whatever you want to be able to do, you can sign up and become a partner with us in this ministry. Of course, we still want you to pray. We still want you to listen. But if you can pray about it today at the beginning of this year and financially get behind us, man, that would mean the world to us. And I'm excited to let you know that in 2021, we've got more ways to give back to you bonuses and exclusives around those that are supporting us financially. We want to be able to give back a little bit of extra content. We want to be able to give you exclusive access when you financially support what we do. So please have a think about it. Go to the website and have a look, thrivetoday.tv. Look for the donation, look for the support links, have a read about it, have a pray about it. And please, once you've done that and you feel strongly that it's what God would want you to do to support us financially, I encourage you to do it. We really need your help as, as we kick off this brand new year. So many excited projects I cannot wait to let you know about. So hopefully you're enjoying this conversation with Kia Scott. I know I got a lot out of it. If you like what we're doing here, give so we can keep on doing things like you're listening to right now. All right, the website to go to is thrivetoday.tv. Please support financially what you're listening to right now. Let's get back to the rest of this exciting episode of Thrive Perspectives. You're on Thrive Perspectives. Happy New Year 2021. It's uh, episode 24. DJ Payne here, your humble host, and with me is the wonderful Matt Jacoby and our special guest, 
Kia Scott, and we're talking about the wonderfully named Change or Suppression Conversion Practices Prohibition Bill 2020. Now, uh, Matt, you just opened up a, a lot of spiritual, you know, uh, ramifications mm. of it. Talking about the process mm. here, we've brought you in here because you, you know, really got a great mind for understanding the complexities of this bill as it as it as it uh, affects church, uh, you know, parents, you know, individual Christians and, and and people involved in it. I wanted to read to you, and I'd, and I'd love both of you to, mm. to to mention this because this is this just jumped out to me like crazy. Not from the bill itself, but from when it was just introduced for the second. Second time um, in our, uh, you know, in the in the assembly as it's as it's called at the end of November, uh, Jill Hennessy brought the bill forward, and in her opening statement around the bill and discussing it, this 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 uh, paragraph just jumped out to me like crazy, and I'd love your comment on this. Change or suppression practices often involve the subtle and recurrent messaging that, with faith and effort a person can change or suppress their sexual orientation or gender identity. However, change or suppression practices are not only religious or faith-based and can take other forms, including counselling, psychotherapy and support groups. In all cases, however, these practices are based on a flawed ideology of pseudoscience that a person can be broken due to their sexuality or gender identity. This could not be further from the truth. Yeah, uh, and I noticed that. I noticed that statement as well. And um, actually, uh, it's it's a misinterpretation or it's a misstatement in the sense that, that according to the Christian worldview, we're not saying that people are broken because of their sexual uh, orientation. Yeah. What we are saying is that all people are broken. And actually, I, I want to go a little deeper even than, than broken. I mean, broken doesn't even quite... Uh, capture the fullness of what the Christian worldview is is saying now, and and again, you can talk about, I mean, flawed ideology. Well, uh, I mean, what what are we using to critique ideologies here? I mean, it's one ideology against another. Yeah. Um, but uh, let, let's be clear about the Christian worldview, um, and and also understand that there are a whole lot of people out there that don't share that Christian worldview. And we shouldn't as Christians, again, feel like we should be entitled, you know, in some ways that everyone should think this. Well, they just don't. Um, But at the same time, I do want to live in a society uh, in which we can disagree at a fundamental level um, and coexist peacefully together, Mm. (laughs) you know. Um, So according to the Christian worldview, um, human beings are deeply and fundamentally flawed in the deepest spiritual sense. That's all of us. Now, the problem is, is when you point to someone and say, you're flawed and I'm not, uh, that is, you know, I, I think that uh, doesn't capture the Christian worldview because um, where the biblical worldview says that we are all deeply, deeply flawed. So, um, and also uh, then presents life as a process of transformation towards an ideal. Now, uh, there's some debate around whether we can ever really reach that ideal, and I think most Christians say, "Look, we never, in in our present state, in this, uh, fallen, in, world, in this yep. fallen world, we never get to a point where where we can say uh, we've, you know, we're we're, we're perfect in by any uh, any in any sense of the word." Um, but the process of of change actually is a lifestyle thing in the Christian. Um, uh, in the Christian worldview, we, we we're up for change. I mean, um, 
as I often say, living things grow. Growth and change are, you know, are really important. So that means that every aspect of our lives uh, is not completely flawed, um, uh, but um, tainted with um, with imperfection. Mm. Uh, and um, or as the Bible, you know, puts it, we the theological word for that is sin. I mean, the word sin is such a poorly understood understood word uh, these days that I uh, I use it probably less. I like yes. using more precise terms uh, to describe what I mean by it. But um, you know, everything is everything is tainted. So I think that's an important aspect of, and it actually is a very fundamental element of the of the of, uh, of the Christian worldview, and that includes all sexuality. So all sexuality yeah. is. We're not saying this sexuality is broken and this sexuality is not, or this sexuality. We're actually saying that all sexuality, including everything else in our lives, is tainted with imperfection, is flawed in some way. We're not mm. fully what we should be. Now, according to the Christian worldview, this is the impetus for a life of transformation, um, and and I want to. I want to boldly advocate for that, actually, because it is, I think that that vision of life um, is a really exciting one. Yeah. Uh, it's one in which it's it's a very invigorating one to constantly experience uh, there's the, the transforming power of God at work in our lives. And I actually wouldn't want to limit what God can transform in any sense. Yeah. I th- I believe God can transform us in any way, uh, in any way that he wants, and that includes any element of sexuality. And I and I suppose um, the thing that makes me uh, nervous about this bill, uh, and well, and, and uh, nervous about the imprecision uh, of this bill, is that it is um, uh, it is sort of coming from an ideology that wants to fix things the way that they are yeah. and prevent any um, prevent any conversion. Yeah, any sort of conversion or, ch- or, or change. Although I'll put this to you, Kia, because um, you've emphasised the fact that it's um, the emphasis of this bill is any form of conversion or suppression that results in harm. Mm. But again, I'm going to go back to what I said uh, bef- before, and, and this is also, I guess, what makes me nervous because I'm used to the fact that when I pray, when we pray about any issue in our lives, often things actually get worse or that can be stirred up before they get better. And depending on how people respond to that, uh, it can feel like harm. You know, um, so so I think some of the um, some of the vagueness around harm concerns me a little bit. Maybe you can comment on that, Kier. Is there any any definition of what constitutes harm in this? No. <laughs> um, so, like, yes, it talks about injury, um, psycholo- psychological injury, ongoing injury, but the, the thing is that it needs to be um, – it does need to be proven. Um, it can be reported by a third party. So if, say, I were to go to you, ask for prayer, and then I say to someone else – um, I, you know, I feel a certain way about it, then that third party can actually make a report about that instance. And that's one of the things that I think people are most concerned about is um, especially that idea of a consensual um, practice happening that someone else can report it, someone else can read into it and that kind of thing. I think, though, um, what the what the bill does 
require is that it goes to the Victorian Human Rights Commission, mm. um, which has been put in place ever since the um, Human Rights Charter in Victoria was put in place, which is basically to ensure that all legislation in Victoria upholds um, the Charter of Human Rights within Australia, uh, sorry, within Victoria specifically, which is an interesting thing because um, by and large in Australia we actually have very few codified rights. Yes. Um, uh, we don't, unlike the USA, we don't have a Bill of Rights in that's Australia. Right. Um, yeah, our that's our right. constitution only gives us five rights, one of which is religious freedom, um, but we, we don't really have it. It's just sort of been this practice within Australian law that, uh, especially common law rights and the idea of freedom of expression and, and all this kind of thing are protected because that's what a, a good democracy has. But um, there isn't actually a Bill of Rights as such. Victoria did put one in place, but it's not the same as, say, the US one, which is constitutionally protected because there's clauses within the Victorian one that can basically mean Parliament overrides it if they want to. Wow. So you have a right as long as Parliament decides you have one, which... <laughs> You know, you can make some arguments about whether or not you really have a right then. Um, But this commit... Sorry, that's a little bit of legal nerd stuff. Um, The (laughs) the commission exists to make sure that that charter is is enacted. And this bill um, mentioned, like, it puts the commission as the overriding investigative body about these issues Mm, and about whether or not they'll actually then bring forth... um, criminal proceedings if they find something's there. So there will actually be an investigation into whether or not harm or injury was caused. And then from there, if they believe there's enough evidence to bring forth criminal proceedings, it would then go to a criminal trial. So there is opportunity for thorough investigation, defence, advocacy for people who feel like they were doing something that they didn't believe would cause harm or explaining it and that kind of thing. However, it doesn't change what you were talking about, Matt, mm. with that, that bringing, up, bringing up the issue. And I think that happens with, with any issue. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And, and, and in some – and because um, th- there's a bit of a clash of worldviews here because, mm. um, you oh, know, a, a naturalistic worldview says that what is ought to be. You know, we, we affirm what is. But actually most religious worldviews uh, w- would not – would not say that. For example, I mean, uh, you know, Buddhism, the, the idea that my identity is a solid thing, uh, Buddha, you know, uh, Gautama Buddha would have said, no, 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 that's that's one of the great deceptions is that um, human identity just isn't that solid. Uh, and um, and so most, it, so it's not, I'm, I'm saying that to say that it's not just Christianity <laughs> that would have a problem with this solidif- solidification of identity and within philosophy, uh, you know, I mean, the whole existentialist tradition puts so much emphasis on on the self, the human self, as a process of becoming something, not not a fixed thing, but but something, uh, um, you know, something more dynamic and and in a sense, uh, initially, you know, that comes from uh, that comes from uh, Kierkegaard, who, who I've done a lot of wor- work with and who was advocating a Christian worldview, this Christian idea of change that we, we, that human, that human identity is not, uh, is not grounded in the way that we are, but in who we are and who we are is, uh, in relation to God. We are children of God. So it's a, you know, who we are is defined relationally. Uh, it's not defined by our condition. It's defined by our, our sort of position with God, you know, our relationship Mm -hmm. with God. And um, and so there are some fundamental there are some fundamental worldview things here 
um, around identity, what, what uh, I guess, where identity is to be found. Also around sexuality, um, I, I think it's very, very difficult to get... There's, there's, I, there's very little doubt uh, to me that um, the biblical ideal, and it's so explicit, the biblical ideal for sexuality is... Uh, is the idea of male and female, the two halves becoming one. I mean, that's such a, it's such a, um, a prominent aspect of the biblical vision of humanity, you know, the two, the, the two halves and, and sexuality as being an expression of that. And I, I guess um, now I, I understand why people disagree with that, but it is, it is quite a fundamental part of the Christian worldview and, and we need to be able to coexist in a world because there, there are people that would say, even you advocating that causes harm. Yes. And I feel like that is catastrophizing. I think, I think though, and responding to the, um, the statement that was made, I think, at the second reading, mm. we have to be mindful that uh, part of this issue and part of, I guess, why statements like that are made um, and this idea of that naturalistic worldview of things are as they are, is I guess a marketing issue that Christianity's had um, in yeah, that good, uh, how we go about interacting with the world, especially those yeah. groups like you were talking about yeah. earlier, Matt, about the the combative nature, or um, even the topics in which different groups uh, choose to make yeah, comment. You're right. So, um, and I know from you know anecdotally from my own experience, knowing some people who are gay who have. Um, spoken to me about uh, my faith, what what I found heartbreaking is that they know me, we have a friendship and a relationship and um, then when it comes to an issue of faith, they automatically jump to, well, you as a Christian think that I'm wrong or broken or... Yeah. A, B, C, D. Yeah, yeah exactly. And <laughs> the thing is that even in my own relationship, that idea of what Christianity thinks of them is so embedded that yeah. even my own love and care and relationship with them is superseded by what they feel like they've been told by the church or by society about what the church believes. And I think that's the thing is with these groups who are now coming out so strong against this bill, it is again sounding to um, the LGBTQI community as well as the world at large, especially um, should be noted in Australia, we're we're quite a secular nation. Um, Mm, So Christians are actually a smaller group. It sounds like this group is again trying to push um, something upon others and saying this is the right way and if you're not this, then you're wrong. And I think that... Whilst what you're saying is absolutely true, is that the the Christian idea is that we're all damaged. We're all, like sin yeah. itself has caused problems, and like yeah. sin as something that harms relationship with God, relationship with each other, even relationship with ourselves, yeah. mm. that exists in everything. But the thing is that these groups come out and they seem to only take things, issues of sexuality or gender identity, as the the thing that you know the hill they'll die on, but tax evasion or, you know, how we treat people in prison, how we treat the poor, there isn't that same vocalness. Mm. Yeah. And I could, think... Could part of that be, sorry to interrupt you, but could, could part of that be, like, even people who I would consider 
you know, balanced or, you know, they're trying to say the right thing as a Christian perspective and saying, hey, listen, uh, we've got a problem with this bill. Immediately, and I'm, and I'm hearing you, there are people who all of a sudden are going to jump up and, and we go, okay, here we go again. There's a Bible-thumping Christian who's going to, you know, uh, you know, hit me over the head with it. But even the, even the balanced people, isn't there part of me, and this might be my right-leading skew, skew if... The media loves to portray Christians as no matter what they say, right, here we go, this is a harmful... Pra- like even in the statement that our Premier, the you know, uh, who, who runs our state, you know, in introducing this bill, it was like the most inflammatory language he was using. You know, we're going to stamp out anybody who thinks they can get away with it. Even if you send them in in a state, we're going to come after you. And, like, it's all this, like, full-on... Well, we don't hear that side of it. Like, you know, again... How does, because we can't really control as a Christian, if we come out and say, I have an issue with the bill, I feel that a lot of people, media or even our friends, will go, right, here we go, and they, they, will, they will stereotype us into a particular type of mould. Is there any way we can protect against that? I think it, it's the, the language we use and how we, um, what, perspective where we're actually taking issue with the bill from. So my biggest issue is that that vagueness um, and the fact that it's really unclear with what a practice is. But if we're coming from the point of view of, um, you know, you're quashing my religious freedom, even though that person perhaps has never actually, you know, done a conversion practice yeah, for yeah, anyone, yeah. it comes across as I want this protected and then the other view is that this causes harm. Yes. So the I guess the um, the idea of we want to prevent harm, we want to stop people being, you know, spiritually traumatised, like it, it's a terrible thing to have someone walk away from faith because of something a, a church body has done. We want to prevent that too. We just want clarity yes. is very different from... Good Scratch point. the bill, yeah, yeah. Um, and a great and a great example of and and this is this is where the, how we talk about things is so so important. I think uh, I think the BUV did a great it made a great mm-hmm. statement and 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 now what the, B, they, the BUV for people the Baptist is, Union of Victoria. Yeah. So um, they with legal advice they address this. You know Daniel Bullock, who's the head of the BUV, put out a great statement. We'll have a link for it. Yeah, in the, in the we'll show have notes. a link to it, which I think was very compassionate validated the, the the issue in terms of the harm, you know, recognise, yes, um, harm has been done, this, you know, we, and and then pointed out the vagaries and the problems with the bill and encouraged people to uh, to respond by writing, writing to their local member. So um, that, that was a great example of where this has been done well. But it has been done badly. And, and I know, and, and it is true, of course, that the media beats up, loves the most sensational, and you know, extreme yeah. versions. And, and so that does portray the Christian, it, it caricatures Christianity. Absolutely. The, the media does that. But the thing is, is that we, I, I'm, as a Christian, I'm always asking, okay, what can I take responsibility? What can we take responsibility for? Rather than just blame the media, because I think the way that a lot of Christians engage in this, I've seen even on... Um, in in what gets shared around the place, yeah. it just plays into that, mm. and and we have to this we have to accept the reality. Okay, so there is this, there is this now distorted message about Christianity out there. Mm. Okay, mm. it shouldn't be, but it just is the way that it is. So we're not on a level playing field. 
Yeah. So what we as Christians have to do, we actually have to lean the other way and try and level out the playing field a little bit. And and I think to some extent we we need to actually go out of our way um, to to counter that misconception about right. Christianity. We're, we're, we're running out of time. We need to wrap this up. I know we can keep on talking about this all day long, but we, we've come back to that same part, part that you, you've, yeah. we've, we've all talked about right at the beginning. There seems to be a lot of, we've used the word combated this, like, right, us Christians got to stand up and right, you know, for yeah. what we believe. Yeah. You know, there's a bit of that language around. Yeah. The other side that, because we've seen this, and this is how the media operates, we are all aware of it. You drum people fear, into you know fear yeah, into yeah. them they're going to stir up and they're yeah. going to give money to the lobbying groups they're going to yeah. give to this they're going to share it on social yeah. media whatever so there's a lot of fear and fight around this language yeah. amongst christians let's be honest yeah. you know amongst the church yeah. um it's being purposefully drummed up and and sometimes not purposely people are sharing it genuinely and people are taking it a different way there's parts of this bill that does cause me a little bit of fear there's parts of this bill that makes me want to fight, but I don't want to come running and screaming with the brave, you know, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the, always the brave hard face yeah. on and let's go. That's, yeah. How do we respond to this? I'd love to hear from, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you know a self-confessed legal nerd Christian <laughs> over here. How would, you, how would you advise us? And then, Matt, I'd yeah. love you to take it home for us as a pastor. What, what, how do we respond to this? Because mm. this is why we're doing this podcast, because yeah. so many people are afraid, so many people are, are, are having the fear and, 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 and drummed up to They want us all to take a stand and mm. we need to jump on that hill. Mm. Maybe that's not the best option. What should we be doing? I think, um, you know, the Bible teaches us that they'll know us by our love. So we need to be coming from everything from a place of love. Mm. And um, we're also, you know, asked to be looking out for the least of these. Mm. And if we look at the harm caused by this bill, um, it, you know, especially for, you know, children sent away to these camps and this kind of thing, that would, you know, classify as the least of these vulnerable people, people um, who perhaps weren't choosing to do this kind of thing. So we should be coming, my, my thought is that, we can still have umbrage and take issue and want change within the bill, but the the loving place, the place that cares for the least of these, says, yes, we want to stop these practices that harm people, mm. but with this, this bit of clarity. And I think that that's the place where um, it actually shows that we are looking out for people and, you know, we, we don't even have to concede any part of our worldview for that. Yeah, that's right. Um, we don't have to change any of our teaching, our doctrine, but it is saying we don't want to do anything that's going to harm people. Mm. We don't want, you know, we think it's a great thing that it's illegal to to harm people, but we just want to know what is and isn't illegal. That would be fantastic. That's a great point. Um, but doing it from love and, you know, thinking about it from the perspective of the other, you know, the other side of this issue isn't seeing it as our worldview and what they're trying to take down. They're seeing it as this specific issue that they see as emotionally, yeah. physically, um, um, mentally traumatic and abusive. So when we when we push back against things like this, we have to be coming from my my idea is that we have to be coming from a place of fully accepting that and supporting that. That you know, this is harmful with the idea of also we just want that clarity because, you know, we don't want to fall into that 
space of doing that. Mm. So just let us know what it is and isn't yeah, yeah. because it's a bit vague. So it's almost using, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's almost using the, the argument that they come for or the words and the reasons of why they're doing, agreeing and affirming that because I think we can all mm. affirm, you know, no matter what we believe in, we can affirm the things that we, I don't know how to, how to express this, as in the the intention of the bill is to is to not cause harm to yeah. people, and we as Christians should say, listen, I agree with the intention of the bill. I agree with that we should be protecting people who are vulnerable. You know, so using the language that they are that we feel or some people are making us feel are attacking us, using that same language in that, and then being able to say, but we need we need maybe clarity here. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's that's what I would say with this, and I think that um, it's important to always like if you look at the explanatory memorandum and some of the speeches given and all the rest, it is mainly aimed at programs and, and camps and that kind of thing, um, and there are those things in there that I, I would struggle to see um, how someone without actually you know stepping into that. Um, ongoing process or those, you know, marathon three-day prayer situations yes. would actually be falling into a crime. And as I was saying before, the, the broader church in Australia doesn't actually support these practices anyway when they did the Religious Freedom um, Commission. So I think that to um, jump up right at the 11th hour about it is... Um, it doesn't actually come from that place of – it doesn't look like from the outside that it comes from that place of love. So if we affirm from that, then we actually can come across as caring for the least of these. That you made a lot of sense. Yeah. Matt, Matt, bring us home. We're running long here. Bring us home. What, what do you want us well, to take there, away? There are, there are two um, responsibilities, I guess, that we have in talking about how we respond to this, and I think that's the uh, probably good place to finish. Um um, I'll, I'll talk to the less important one first because the most important responsibility that we have is a spiritual kind of responsibility to fulfil the mission of Christ. I mean, that's yeah. the most important one. But but we also, uh, as citizens of this country, of, of a democratic uh, country, we have a, a political responsibility uh, to be informed and to um, and to exercise our democratic right to have our say. And, and so... Um, if people are concerned uh, about this, we'd encourage you to, you know, write to your local member and uh, and and engage with with this issue. Be informed about it. Don't mm. just um, d- democracies are, are increasingly um, inhibited by lots of disinformation or, and laziness on the part of people in gathering information. You know, we just watch our famous YouTube stuff mm. or our, our, you know, we we go to uh, sources that just throw information at us uh, and. Uh, I'd, I'd encourage people to do um, a little bit more uh, in-depth uh, uh, research uh, than that. So that's all part of a political, uh, fulfilling a political uh, responsibility. Um, uh, I encourage being informed about some of these things because the more that the more informed you are, the more complex things appear. It's easy to be simplistic uh, when when you when you don't do much research or when you just follow one rabbit hole. Mm. Um, so that's the first thing. the the bigger The bigger responsibility, though, that we have is a responsibility to uh, the mission uh, of Christ, and that is to and that is to reach people. and And my um, my overall 
concern here is about how we come across as Christians, the fact that we do live in a society in which Christianity is caricatured in a certain way. And, um, and we, we need to go out of our way uh, to, um, to correct that, actually, to do everything that we can to correct that. And, um, and that I think, uh, and this is where, in terms of pointing the finger, as a pastor, I, I, I always, I believe, you know, judgment begins in the house of God, as they say. So if we're going to point the, the finger anywhere, I'm going to point the finger inwards. Let's point the finger at ourselves and, and critique uh, the way that we respond. And, and I think, I, I feel that, that Christians can be quite, uh, lazy with some of these things and impatient. We want to change everything too quickly. You know, when, when uh, you know, change is a long, slow process. And I think some of the harmful practices have occurred because of of trying to just change things too quickly and and, and push things too hard. And uh, rather than work with that, with with the um, with the inevitable s- slow process of change that is just mm. an inevitable part of the Christian life. Uh, but we, we also. Uh, have a tendency to want to, um, uh, you know, jump into the fray, to be combative, to want to change our world too quickly, too much by force. This is an age-old problem, you know, uh, and and I think this is part of what causes uh, the the perception uh, out there as as Christians. So um, uh, part of the, the the laziness too of Christians is that we we are. We have more information available to us, so many ways of being informed about our faith and our worldview. And I think Christians would do a better job of representing that worldview if they were more informed about it. <laughs> you know, read, you know, read the Bible, do some, you know, like actually get to know your worldview, your Christian worldview. Uh, and then it becomes much easier to talk about it in a way uh, and translate it to people in a way that is sensitive, that will help make sense uh, of it to people. We have a mission actually to convey um, uh, our Christian perspective uh, in in a way that is intelligible to the world. But instead, I think what we do is that we use language that's unintelligible and just sounds... Um, nonsensical to people, and mm. and and we we're too quick to sort of moralise and throw out you know um, language about what's right and wrong that just doesn't make sense to to that to that worldview. And I um, an illustration that I've used is that we can take you know you can use the same material to build a wall and build a bridge, uh, you know, and and so. You can take the same truth, the same conviction. This isn't about changing our convictions. I mean, we have certain convictions mm. uh, and certain ideals, and and we don't want to change those. But those can be the raw materials that we use to build either a wall or a bridge. Mm. And and I believe we need to um, we need to use uh, our convictions, uh, use the truths that we hold on to as Christians, not to build a wall, but to build a bridge. And I believe that's possible. Uh, and I think we need to get better as Christians at having uh, uh, and talking and representing our faith in a way that's sensitive, that uh, is intelligible. And most of all, and I often uh, you know, I've talked about doing everything in the key of love, you know, it, uh, we need to make sure that we are, we are representing a God who ultimately uh, loves us 
is ultimately gracious, gracious to us um, and making sure that the way that we talk and the way that we do things represents that, uh, that nuance, that, that key of love. And because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, repentance being that life of change, not just a moment, uh, but a life of change. And uh, I want everyone to experience that life of change. Everyone. Uh, I believe we can, uh, I believe it's a wonderful experience of the love of God. And I think we need to make sure above all that we're true to that mission. listening to Thrive Perspectives, we want to hear from you. So send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visiting the website, ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives really helps us reach more people. So head to ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives. We hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive. was another DJP.FM production.